0: I actually had a conversation with my pastor and I told him that I just needed to come clean and tell him that I've been holding this dark secret from my husband. And he he encouraged me to tell the truth. And I told him, but it was like the hardest thing ever to do.
1: This episode is brought to you by The Parlor Hair and Body Salon. With a quick reminder, it's okay to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Chelsea. You're listening to Beyond the Picket Fence, where you're invited to take a break from keeping it together. Let's get real. This week is a perfect example of what this podcast is all about. I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw this girl's post. She was smiling and a light just shined from her. Automatically, my mind created this story. She's probably like a model or an influencer with this amazingly perfect life, her smile with that bright red lipstick and her perfectly edited profile picture. I was shocked when I read the pictures caption posting a selfie because for the first time in a long time, I actually feel pretty really here was this beautiful woman posting something so relatable. Us women tend to be hard on ourselves, don't we? Here was this gorgeous woman having thoughts just like me, so I followed her. She posts often about mental health and healing. I was so inspired by her vulnerability, so I invited her to come on the show. And as always, what I learned blew my mind. What secret did she keep for too long, and how has she found freedom from it? Let's find out. This is Jacqueline Joyce Webb.
0: I'm uh, 31 years old. I reside in Siena, lived in San Antonio most of my life, and then Hollywood, and Dallas, and then now I'm here in Houston. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I am a hobby photographer and painter, and I also resell stuff online on Depop, and I'm a distributor for Bellamy, and I am a part-time server at a local sushi restaurant.
1: I had seen her posts on Facebook mentioning mental health, so I asked her to go back to where it all started for her. And like so many of these stories before, she took us back to her childhood.
0: Growing up, my childhood was, as far as I can remember, very dysfunctional. (laughs) Um, My mother was a single mother. My dad was in the picture too, but he was also like in a, a different state, went in different marriage and all that stuff. We got reconnected later on in life. But my mom, single mother, she was a social alcoholic and she was mentally, physically, emotionally abusive. And it traumatized me a lot. She would go to clubs and bars and drink and just, it was just very social. She was never the person to drink on her own. It, it was just be like in a group of friends or like a special occasion, like weddings and all of that. So any anything that involved people, she was drinking.
1: You said she was like verbally, physically and emotionally abusive. Was she just to you or do you have siblings?
0: I have siblings. She never did anything to harm my older sister. I'm the middle one. And then there was my brother and she... Gave him a few punches here and there, but it was mainly towards me. Now that I like look back and realize like why I see things, I feel things, I do things differently than a normal person would. Do you still have a relationship with your mom? I actually do. She's actually a couple of months sober now.
1: Oh, wow. So cool. I wondered when she said normal person, what she was alluding to. No one is normal. As my mother-in-law says, normal is just a setting on the dishwasher. I then learned Jacqueline was diagnosed bipolar schizophrenic around the age of eight years old. For a lot of her life, it was left untreated.
0: I, it's not that I haven't accepted that I'm bipolar schizophrenic, um, but I've always thought that God would heal me from it. So I didn't necessarily take the medication as, as I should have. I had panic attacks, like everything around me was was, like moving and I didn't really understand what was going
1: on. Her mom took her to the hospital when she was young, but she doesn't remember a lot of her childhood. I was curious if she could go into more detail. What is it like when she would have those, for lack of better terms, bipolar moments?
0: When I have mental breakdowns, I really don't remember a lot of things that I've said or done.
1: I pushed a little further. I wondered if anyone has told her how she was during those breakdowns.
0: They would say that I was just a different person. I'm normally a very happy person, but I was easily angered and I was also very vocal about things.
1: You know, things that most people know should be left unsaid. Somehow she managed to make it into adulthood. Again, just praying that God would heal her. Do you remember how you felt when you were diagnosed with bipolar or schizophrenia? I felt
0: like some of it held some truth that I needed help, I needed medication. And on the other hand, I just felt like I was made this way for a reason and that God would somehow heal me. So I didn't need to necessarily take all the steps to be liberated from what exactly they were trying to diagnose me from.
1: Now we fast forward to when Jacqueline was in her 20s, beginning to build her own family.
0: I actually suffered from a miscarriage. I think the baby was about 10 to 12 weeks. So that was traumatizing as well on its own.
1: It continues to surprise me how many women have faced miscarriage and how little it's actually talked about. So after that miscarriage, Jacqueline eventually had her first living child. When becoming a mother, it's so easy to get lost. It becomes difficult to put yourself first and remember to, you know, sleep and take a shower. She struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety and just stopped taking care of herself.
0: For some reason, I always had the feeling that when my kids was gonna get SIDS, or I was constantly waking up to check on them, and sleeping was very sporadically, and I stopped eating, and then that's when just things spiral out of control. When my son was six months old, so I went to the hospital. I also went to the hospital when my second born was three months old. Yeah, talking about that gets me emotional because I felt like. I was trying to breastfeed them. I was trying to do everything right by the book. And it's just overwhelming.
1: Life as a new mother is overwhelming. Layer on top of that, depression and bipolar disorder. That is a lot for one human to manage. I invited Jacqueline to share with us what life was like for her inside the facility.
0: Most of the time, I felt like. It wasn't like I was unwilling to cooperate or whatever, but I just wanted to be home with my babies. Like, I just felt incomplete.
1: <laughs> Are you willing to tell me what that process is like going into the facility?
0: Uh, sure. From what I can remember, I actually refused to eat. Nobody actually was like on you about eating or taking a shower or anything like that. I kind of just let myself go. Depression is is a thief. I just didn't care about how I looked, or had no desire to eat, no desire to sleep. I just had to be home with my babies. So eventually, you know, you're in there, and I was in my weakest place, and I felt God's presence there with me through it all. Like there was a moment where all these people have a different story, and they're so smart in their own ways. So I would just connect with different patients, talk to them, and they'd share their story with me. I'd share my story with them. And that's what got me through it, was just connecting with the people inside the facility.
1: How long were you there?
0: The first time I was there for a month. And then the second time, the recent time, I was there for a week and a half, two weeks.
1: When people say facility, I imagine like in the movies, you know, stray jackets, white padded rooms. Is this really what a facility looks like?
0: There are some units that are like that. I actually was in a very like calm most recent time I was put into a a really nice facility, but nobody was really answering my questions and I felt like It was just, they didn't let you go outside. They didn't let you, I don't know. It just wasn't what I wanted at that time. And so they put me in a different unit. And this unit was pretty crazy. There was people pacing down the hallways and roommates taking your clothes, taking your toothbrush, like that suffered from dementia and and just all types of different stories. But the people working that unit were much nicer. And so in all the chaos, I felt like I was fine because that's all I've known is just dysfunctional chaos.
1: So that felt more comfortable than the the other one that was like calm? Yes. Wow. The first time Jacqueline went willingly into the facility.
0: The first time I went in, it was because I wasn't sleeping. And every time I closed my eyes, I would see just... How do I explain it? I would see like scary things. I would see it was like Halloween-ish type of stuff. Like just I couldn't sleep.
1: Like, you know, on Harry Potter, when those black cloaky type things that are like flying around. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How scary. I cannot imagine seeing those things when I'm closing my eyes. I'm a huge scaredy cat. I can't even believe how calm she is explaining this. Okay, we've covered a lot, so I just want to get a quick timeline. She was diagnosed when she was eight, struggled off and on, praying and hoping that God would heal her. Then she was all of a sudden married and a mother. Wait, I need to know how her and her husband met.
0: I uh, met him when I was 23. We actually met on Tinder when I was in San Antonio. I moved to San Antonio because my mom got sick. We got married when I was five to six months pregnant. And then we had Cove 30 minutes before Thanksgiving. And then I had my miscarriage when Cove was six months. When I had lost the baby, my husband was actually out of town at the time. So I felt alone. And it was just really tough, like hearing the news by myself and him on the plane to go visit a friend. And my body wasn't reacting to the miscarriage. So I had to get a DNC. And I think that's what really bothered me to have the procedure done. They actually didn't remove all of the fetus. So I started getting like septic.
1: She had to go to the hospital to get IV medicine. Then once they thought that she was recovered from the DNC, she went home.
0: I want to say I was home for a day and then that very next day is when I started to see things and feel things that were just completely, um, I guess you can say, hallucinating. I definitely went through a lot, especially like after losing the baby, then having to go into the hospital. And I felt like I just needed my family's comfort. But instead, I was in the hospital and they had like visiting hours, but that was only a few were cooperating with the doctors and taking the medications they have given you. And I was refusing to take the medication.
1: Mm. So you went in yourself, but didn't want to take the medicine because you felt like God should fix you.
0: Yeah. I felt like, you know, like you said, like you take your vitamins, you go for walks, you do the self-care, you yeah. just do the right things and, you know, dedicate yourself to God and, to pray and just be good to people that mm. good would happen to you. And so I just, I don't know. I just felt like the medication, every time I took the medication, it just made me feel either more depressed or just not inspired to paint, to write, to draw. It just, just didn't make me feel like myself.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like you punished yourself? I'm just asking this because I feel like I did this or I do this. Do you feel like you punished yourself? Like, why can't I just be in control of my brain or my thoughts?
0: Oh, definitely. I felt like that was really hard on myself for a lot of other things. I felt there was a lot of things that I had needed to. I say this before meeting my husband, I felt unlovable. I didn't feel worthy, especially for my past. My sister had actually tried out for the Dallas Cowboys and she made it and they gave her a two week notice to move and everything. She was living in San Antonio at the time. And I decided to go out and help her and she couldn't find a job. So I started dancing.
1: Wait, what? Let's take a break. Do you ever feel a little bit exhausted by your social media feed? Seeing everyone else's perfect moments and forget to remember that they have a whole life going on behind the scenes? Well, join us in our free Facebook community. This community is our secret little place to escape all of the perfection we see here on social media and connect with women just like you who are ready to be done comparing and start being compassionate to themselves and others. Find it at facebook.com groups slash beyond the picket fence. Link also in the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. Back to the story with Jacqueline. We just learned that she was a dancer. Yeah, the kind of dancer that is usually frowned upon.
0: I decided to go out and help her, and she couldn't find a job. So I started dancing. And, you know, being in that industry, you see a lot of things, you experience a lot of things, and I had stopped. Before I met my husband, but we actually um, were struggling to make ends meet. So I actually started again without telling him, and so I lied to him on several occasions that he overheard family members or friends say something about me dancing, and I I just denied it because I just felt like he wouldn't have been with me. And I even asked him. I was like, like when it was all said and done if he would have stayed with me. And he said no. So in a way, I can't take that back because I have my children because of it. And he's an awesome man. Um, The reason why I even was attracted to him was because of how he treated other people. He's the type of person that says, you know, to the waiter, like calls him brother, the way he treated his dogs. I know it sounds silly, but just seeing how someone treats another person that you know, that's not going to benefit him and somehow, but just Mm -hmm. like is generally just a sweet person. Did he know
1: that you danced before you got married?
0: He had a friend say something to him about me dancing. And he actually asked me
1: and I denied it just because I was just so ashamed. Wow. Oh, my gosh. See, now we're to the heart of the story. (laughs) When you met him, And dated him. Did he know about your diagnosis?
0: I had told him that I went to the hospital. I never really told him why. I never told him that I was schizophrenic or bipolar. Once again, I was ashamed. And my family told him on separate occasions, you know, like hinting him that, you know, that I do suffer from mental illnesses. Or like, I would react in a way and they'd be like, oh, she's done this before. Like, this is just how she is, especially with being bipolar. You know, one one moment I'm super happy. The next one, I just, I'm in bed and I don't want to get out. I don't have any desire to do my hygiene.
1: Freaking shame. Due to shame, she had a hard time being honest with her husband about things. I think this is true for most people who lie. Not saying lying is okay, but... Can we look deeper? Why are they lying? For a lot of us, it's shame and fear that we will lose love or loved ones. It's so easy to look at an exotic dancer and judge them. But have you ever considered what could be going on for them?
0: I was dancing when I was pregnant with my first son. And then I had stopped completely when my son was a couple months old.
1: Wow. You danced pregnant with a big belly. People liked that.
0: <laughs> not not with a big belly. I was like, I didn't really actually start showing till I was like five months. Oh, so okay. it was weird. Like to think, you know, I have a baby in here and, and every time like I would feel him kick or something, it would be like, Oh, like I probably shouldn't be doing this, but you know, I, we needed groceries. We needed our essentials. So. My husband's a teacher and, you know, my parents are teachers. So I know exactly what that means. (laughs) Okay, Yes, it's it's tough, especially on just one income.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And like it usually does, the truth finds its way out.
0: He heard about me uh, doing it before we had our first and then I denied it. And it wasn't up until I actually had a conversation with my pastor and I told him that I just needed to come clean and tell him that I've been holding this dark secret for my husband. And he, he encouraged me to tell him the truth. And I told him, but it was like the hardest thing ever to do because even though like he had people tell him in the past, he still like wanted to believe me. Mm-hmm. So telling him it, it really hurt him. Our marriage changed drastically. Like He stopped telling me he loved me. He stopped giving me forehead kisses or, Mm -hmm. you know, like just kisses on the hand when we're driving. Like, Mm -hmm. just like those little things, those little things are what makes up a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to marriage counseling.
1: This conversation was about a year ago. Things are getting better, but she does admit it's still not the same. All of this happened after her first time in the facility. I wanted to go back and learn more about what it looked like to get released. How do you earn your way out of the facility? You have to be
0: taking your medication, going to the classes, participating in them, and showing some type of effort that you want to go home. And then... My husband would come visit and my family members would come visit. And if they saw something that was off, they would talk to the doctors and tell them, like, you know, I think she needs to be here a little bit longer or I think she's ready to come home. So eventually, just the conversations I was having with my family, they thought that I didn't need their help anymore. So so that
1: that one took a month.
0: uh, The first time, yes. The first time coming out of the facility, I, mind you, I still haven't told my husband about me dancing. Okay. So I still felt unlovable, ashamed, and not that I wasn't worthy of being forgiven, but just, I still felt a huge weight on my shoulders, just with everything. Still trying to take care of myself and then also take care of my son and take care of my
1: husband at home. And carry the secret while you're trying to do all of that.
0: Yes, it was tough. And when we had my second born, finally, I just felt like I needed to tell him. And so I finally told him and I felt like I could breathe again.
1: (sighs) It's so interesting how when we lie or keep a secret, we're afraid of what will happen. All the while, that same secret is already hurting us. We don't realize how heavy it is until we let go of it and feel the weight lift off of us. Yes, you have to face the consequences, but there is an undeniable deliverance. You are freed from your own web.
0: I didn't necessarily want to do it. And I wasn't forced, of course, but I didn't go to college or anything. I put off college to take care of my little brother because my mom and stepdad were too involved with drinking and also take in mind, my mom was a dancer as well.
1: Ah, this was an eye opener for me. Being a dancer is what she had seen and knew could provide for a family. So when her sister made the Cowboys dance team with no notice, of course she wanted to help take care of her sister. And being a dancer, the frowned upon type, was what she knew. Once her sister found a job, she moved to Hollywood, And it was during that time of her life that she found her passion for painting and photography. However, that was a very dark time in her life.
0: I was in search of healing, finding the next best product, the best church, anything that would aid me. Started day drinking and living foolishly. Got addicted to thrills and spending too much money. But my mom got sick, and so I moved back to San Antonio to help her. And that's when I met my husband.
1: And now we are up to speed. So she has her little family, was dancing secretly to help support the family, had a mental spiral after having her son and was hospitalized. After a month, she got to come home and eventually after having her second son decided to come clean to her husband. Huh, what a story. But I recalled her being hospitalized twice. What institutionalized her the second time?
0: It was actually the day after my sister-in-law got married. I got very angry, and we're living with my in-laws. They had a dog, and the dog decided to go pee upstairs where we are. And I chase him downstairs, and I I like try to kick him outside. And his mom like stops me and tells me, "Is everything okay?" And I was like, "Don't touch me!" Like you know, I don't like to be touched for all sorts of reasons. And then I I don't remember much after that, but my husband was saying that I was acting and saying just things that completely were off. And so his mom calls the mental hospital for them to come pick me up. So a cop shows up and takes me in. Did they take you willingly or did he like handcuff you? Um, I knew something was off just because of how I was not eating and not sleeping and Mm -hmm. not feeling 100% 100% my best. Um, so I willingly went. But when I got there, I was in the waiting room and I really had to pee and they weren't opening the door for me to to let me go. And so I got really upset and I was like pounding on the wall because it was one of those rooms where it looks like they're windows, but they're actually people there just staring at you like the one way mirror. Yeah. So I could see them like in a certain direction that I was, so I was like pounding on the wall to get their attention that I needed to go pee. Mind you, I was pregnant. Um, Oh gosh, yeah. They had me in a room that was filthy. It was just really gross. So I requested them to put me in a different room. And so I just walked into a different room and I got so sleepy. I took a nap there waiting for them to evaluate me or for them to talk to me or sign anything. And so just by the way they were treating me, just like that, when they gave me the papers to sign, I refused to sign them.
1: Of course you wouldn't sign papers from someone who's treating you less than a human. Eventually, they did put her into another room with a bunch of other people, all dealing with their own things. And she found herself reading from her Bible app.
0: That day that I was looking at my Bible app, it said to be still. so I literally sat on a chair right by the front office and I was just I sat still and I don't remember exactly how many days it went, but I I lost track of the time and I was refusing to eat. And it wasn't like they were even giving me food. They just had it out. Well if you were hungry to go and eat. And I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty. I just was literally sitting still in that one
1: spot you sat there for days you didn't go to sleep i
0: slept i know i slept at some point but this is the part where i like don't remember exactly what was going on but Mm -hmm. i i just i knew like if i was just still and i didn't do anything that they would eventually let me go home or at least that was what i was thinking at the time
1: sadly during this day is when she lost her pregnancy, so that was her second miscarriage. They had therapists, psychiatrists, and doctors coming in to visit her. They started to gain her trust back. Slowly, her appetite came back, and the food that was being cooked actually started to smell good again. She began to eat and drink. It was at this point that Jacqueline took the medication that they recommended.
0: I felt like I could trust them and that they genuinely cared about me, Compared to in the past, they were just there just to get a paycheck. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, You had to feel like they cared about you before you obviously like no one's going to trust anyone who's just there to do their job. But if they could actually show that they cared about you, then that makes you feel more like humane, you know? Yes, exactly. And then on top
0: of that, my sister was in labor with her firstborn and I really wanted to go to Be there with her, so I just did what they wanted me to do, and my husband picked me up, and we went straight to San Antonio. Then my sister had her baby a couple hours later.
1: Do you feel like you have a handle on things, or do you still feel like it rules you a little bit?
0: I feel like I'm more aware of like because it was a couple a week ago or so, I started to see the signs of not having appetite, not sleeping. Like my schedule was just really weird. Like I would go to sleep at nine and then wake up at 12 and be wide awake and just could not go back to sleep. My husband and I, I've been more open with him and telling him how I felt. You know, I was having dreams, very vivid dreams about dying, like in a drowning or in a car accident. Like I was having some crazy dreams. And so I told him. And so he called my pastor again. My pastor came over. He prayed over me gave me a book to read and i feel like facebook to me is like kind of like a diary it's nice to be able to like put your feelings out there and feel no judgment especially with the worldwide united group it's been so helpful when i'm feeling down or even when i'm super happy or just need some type of comfort it's nice to be able to put yourself out there and feel accepted
1: has vulnerability helped you Oh,
0: definitely. I feel like for the longest time I've had to put up a front, I felt like I was always wearing a mask, just trying to not hide away from my problems, but just to evolve with everything going on around me. Mm-hmm. So being able to be raw and share Not only the good moments, but the tough ones, the dark ones. I feel like it's definitely helped my relationship with God and with my husband.
1: Do you still feel unlovable?
0: I will tell you that there are moments where it comes in the back of my head that, and I know it's the enemy, that will bring up, like, just memories will just pop up out of nowhere and try to drag me down. But I'm at that point where I've forgiven my mother, I've forgiven family members, I've forgiven friends, I've forgiven myself. And that was like the most the most important thing was to stop making myself the victim and to realize that I was in my own way as well.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. How did you figure out to forgive all of them? Like. Do you do therapy or is it just through church or what led you to that forgiveness?
0: A lot of it didn't come on at once. Like I took baby steps, like especially with my mom, like just being around her used to trigger me so much. She couldn't lift up a hand and for me to flinch, like it was really bad. But I did a lot of soul searching and I've been reading the devotional, Jesus Calling. You read a passage every day. I've been doing my devotions. Uh, I've been more consistent with it. I used to just pray before a meal and at night. And now I wake up in the morning and I pray. And it just makes me feel more complete throughout the day. Because the first thing you do, like, what do you do? Like, you either drink some water or you go on Facebook. So the first thing I do, even before, like, that moment when you want to open your eyes, I just keep them closed. And I just, you know, thank God for just giving me another day. And then for everything else, like my prayers changed just like everybody else. But I found myself praying for other people, for other situations, and I never prayed for myself. It wasn't up until a couple months ago where I actually had a prayer and it involved myself, even though it felt weird, like it's exactly what I needed. Like I said, I never prayed for myself. At my Bible study, We talked about prayers and I admitted to them that I recently started praying for myself. And they looked at me like I was crazy. like, wait, like, you don't, you pray for everything else, but not yourself. And I'm like, yeah, like that was just the norm for me. So just praying for myself made a huge difference.
1: Oh, that's amazing. This moment literally stunned me. I just stopped and sat in it for a second then continued. That's beautiful. And I feel like really, as we come to him and we find our worth through him, it starts to heal everything else. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. So what does your life look like now? Like, do you still have good days, bad days? I
0: have more better days than bad. Being able to be more open with my husband, our marriage seems to be the rough patches aren't there anymore. Like they seem to be filling in and then taking medication, being consistent on medication, being consistent with drinking water, with my vitamins, going on walks. And then I've also noticed if I don't have fellowship, I kind of fall off the wagon. So I make initiatives to have more relationships, more meaningful relationships with people and just reaching out too. And if I have that, intuitive feeling like I need to contact this person. I'll just do it. I'll just call them. I guess an old lady, when it comes to that, I like to call people instead of texting.
1: Yes. I love this. Consistency in taking care of yourself, whether that means taking your medicine, vitamins, doing some things that you love, and also meaningful relationships. A few months ago, When I was struggling with depression, these are the exact things that helped me too. I got on supplements, and after a month, I realized that wasn't helping enough. So I finally got on medication. I also was building a tribe around myself of people to call when I was at my lowest. You know, having the thoughts from the adversary. Thoughts like, you don't matter. The world would be better off without you. You know, those types of things. The tribe that I built included... A friend who I knew would listen, validate, and not try to fix anything. My sisters, who are like my very own built-in fan club. My life coach who always reminds me nothing has gone wrong. You're doing great. And my mom, who made sure I was safe and came to the rescue in person and many times through midnight phone calls. Out of all of those skills, being validator is definitely my best feature. <laughs> that is what I hope to build with this podcast and the beyond the picket fence community. I hope it becomes a place where you feel safe to post these types of things and have a community of kind people ready to lift you up. Life is difficult for everyone and we need each other. Even though medication helps Jacqueline and me, life is still 50, 50, 50% good and 50% bad. That's just the name of the game. So I asked her, How is she coping with her lows nowadays?
0: When I'm having a bad day, I normally paint. That seems to help me. The beautiful thing about painting is that you can't mess up. If it's something you're not happy with, you can just paint over it and start again. So I've been painting more. I still struggle with depression, anxiety, and the chemical imbalance will always be there. But this time I have Jesus and I'm giving him all the glory. I realized I had to get out of my own way, playing the victim and focus on now and not the
1: past. Even though it hasn't been perfect, Jacqueline recognizes the blessings that still came through her story. She has her beautiful children and her mother is now sober. She's also an incredible grandmother too. And as for her husband, well...
0: The good that came out of it for my husband, it's funny that your name is, you know, beyond the picket fence. Like he grew up, with a picket fence. And so, in my life, you know, we didn't stay in a house for more than a year or two and then go to an apartment or go to another house. So, my life compared to his is just completely different. So, we definitely balance each other out when it comes to like he's very logical and very creative. So, the good that came out of it from this is that he sees beyond that picket fence.
1: They're still working to gain their trust back in their marriage. Some things just take time.
0: We're just continuing to be good, do good, and good things will come out of it.
1: So there it is. This girl who I saw online and automatically created this imaginary life for her in my mind, when in reality, this one beautiful picture was but a moment taken from this entire story. You will never know what's going on in people's lives until you ask, until you invite them to share, and what you will learn will surprise you more often than not. When I imagined Jacqueline as a perfect, beautiful, influencer, stay-at-home mom, I was so scared to even invite her to come on my show. Now, truly knowing her, comparison has melted away, and all I'm left with is a heart full of compassion and love. This is exactly what it's all about. So with that, I asked, what do you wish people saw beyond your white picket fence? I would just say that if we were all really
0: honest with how we felt and saw things, we would all be diagnosed something. I think if we're like truly honest about what we think and feel. So to not see people based on... Diagnoses and stuff, just to see them for who they truly are. And you have to be broken in order for the light to shine through. What I'm trying to say is you got to love yourself from within.
1: She wanted to summarize her story by sharing a post she recently wrote on Facebook.
0: I've been thinking about my testimony lately, my mental illness, trauma from my childhood, teenage years, and my two angel babies. How these things held me back and put me into depression, causing anxiety and constant uncertainty. But as of lately, I've felt a sense of peace with it all. Being around certain people doesn't trigger me like it used to, and I no longer view myself as the victim. Coming face-to-face with all these things hasn't been easy. It's dark, lonely, and tested my faith, my marriage, literally everything. I'm not here to say do it, move, forgive, and live, but I will proclaim it's possible. You deserve to feel love, not from the world, but from within.
1: It is possible, and you do deserve to feel loved from within. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beyond the Picket Fence. Do you or someone you know have a story to share? Feel free to reach out to me through my Instagram, Facebook DMs, or through my website. And remember, be kind, because you never know what's going on for someone beyond the picket fence. Are you still here? Here's a funny clip of me messing up. Just as a reward for sticking around till the very end. She wanted to summarize her story by sharing a post she recently wrote. She wanted to summarize her story by sharing a post that she recently. Why can't I say this? She wanted to summarize her story by sharing a post she recently wrote on Facebook. Oh yeah, baby. I got it. (laughs) Okay, that's really it. Ta-ta for now.